Welcome. It's good to see everybody here today. And for those of you who know my dad, who is a pastor here, the senior pastor, he is um, in Florida. I talked to him on the phone a few days ago, and it was kind of it was one of those awkward father-son phone conversations, right? So, uh, Dad, how are you? Oh, oh, you know, I, I'm all right. Uh-huh. Dad, how's the weather in Florida? That's what I wanted to know. Oh, it's, you know, it's, it's all right. Uh-huh. So what does all right mean, Dad? Oh, you know, only in the 70s, low 70s. Uh-huh. So the whole thing was one of those phone conversations. He's doing well, pray for him and my mom while they're down there and all that kind of thing uh, for safety and a good experience for them. He is um, doing a lot of writing, actually. He's putting a lot of his thoughts into brochures and booklets, and I'm sure that we'll, hear, we'll see some of these things out here. And I've asked him to do a lot of that stuff. He just knows a lot of stuff. Amen? I mean, if you've talked to him, he knows a lot of stuff. Um, so the more he'll put it down for us in writing, the better off it is. I had the chance to speak a couple weeks ago. If you think you remember the topic, just the topic, let me see your hand. One, the topic. One, two, three, four. Oh, come on, there's more than four hands. Five. Oh, make me feel better. Six. At least fake it. How many of you, fake it for me. How many of you remember the topic? All right. That makes me feel better. And for the original one, Kevin Foss said you had your hand up first. You get the gold star. That's very, very good. I spoke on holiness, the holiness of the Lord. Does that ring a bell for those of you here? If you were not here, that's all right. Let's refresh a little bit. Because clearly, if you were not here, you're not alone. Probably the person sitting on your left or right doesn't remember what I spoke on a few weeks ago anyway. So, holiness. There's just a few, there's just a few major points I want to pull out from that message two weeks ago. There's a statistic, by the way, this is totally an aside, and I've held to this statistic. I was in a place, I worked for a company, I was accountable for their corporate learning and their leadership development programs for um, frontline people leaders and middle-level people leaders. So I, in that role, I used to apply this, this principle, and I'm applying it today. Two weeks after we hear something, we remember 3% of what we heard. We don't know what 3% that is, it's just 3%. So if somebody's going to speak for an hour and you remember 3% of 60 minutes, you get the idea, right? And it could be their greeting that you liked so much. Today it might be this statistic that I shared that you remember. But two weeks ago, we, we talked, I spoke on the holiness of the Lord. And simply, it was just a message to remind us that God is holy. He is holy. Holy. He is distinct and set apart. He is the definition of holy. Holiness needs to be, means to be sacred, to be distinct, and that is God. He is the definition of holy. There is none like him. He is the, the, the standard setter. Einstein, you know, he came up with the, 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 the theory of relativity and, you know, the, nothing goes faster than the speed of light. So when we say well, our car is doing 60 miles an hour, that's compared to the speed of light. So that is our... Our, our gauge, by the way, that's not the theory of relativity. I kind of think I mix up those two things, the theory of relativity and the speed of light, but there's a lot of it's Einstein's work. We won't, we won't remember in two weeks. That's right. So, 
Our standard for holiness is God. There is none like Him. And that's what we talked about. Uh, God is so holy that if we were in His presence, it is very clear in the Bible, those who are in His presence, really, truly, who are in His place, they, they, they can't even stand. That is how distinct He is. That is how holy He is. And we know that we are to be holy like God is holy. 1 Peter 5, 17. I'm going to read this. You don't have a slide for this. Uh, but as he, the Lord, who has called you to... Let me say this again. But as he, the Lord, who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And this isn't just about being pure. This isn't a call for purity. Otherwise, you would say, Be pure as I am pure. This is holiness be set apart, be sacred, really just pursue me. I'm the definition of holiness, just pursue me. Sometimes purity might be inherent to that, but we just he just calls us to pursue him, be holy the way he is holy. I'm going to read on. So that's what we talked about last week. But I think if I keep reading, we'll get a great st- sense of what I'm going to speak on this week. And if you call on your father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. If you call in the Father, that's how it starts and it ends in conduct yourselves in fear. Fear. Dylan, put that slide up there. (laughs) This poor man, he's on a a millionaire um, who wants to be a millionaire. See, you remember that, but you don't remember what I spoke on. I'm teasing. I'm just totally teasing. So he's, his question comes up, and it's a, it's a crazy question. And you can just see the look in this guy's face. Oh, I don't know. what I, I don't know. I, fear is an interesting... Uh, some of you have fears. Or you know people maybe who have fears. I mean, legitimate fears. There's a fear of aero, uh, aerophobia, the fear of drafts. Uh, levophobia, the fear of objects on the left side of your body. Dextrophobia, the fear of objects on your right side of your body. Thassalophobia, fear of being seated. You're all okay with that, apparently. Uh, Phobophobia, the fear of being afraid, which kind of strikes me as funny. There are legitimate, there are legitimate fears out there. Legitimate ones. And, you know, I made light of some of these unusual ones. But they're legitimate ones. I know, I know somebody who has a very legitimate fear uh, when this topic comes up. And it doesn't matter what the topic is. When the topic comes up, this person just balks just the topic of it. Let alone the seriousness of it when, it's, when this person is actually approached with something uh, that, that they're fearful of. It is a big deal. I remember years ago, a group of us here went skydiving. I don't like heights. Uh, my brother doesn't like heights. And he jumped out of the airplane before me. <laughs> so it was kind of nice to watch him go. <laughs> Actually, I jumped, you, I jumped out before you, didn't I? I got this backwards in my head. Anyway, point is, we're up in this airplane. And I remember looking down. And you know you're high enough where you're so high, it, you don't even realize that you're high. Right? I mean, you're in an airplane, and the, and the door opens, and you've got to go. And it didn't, it didn't dawn on me that I was that high. I'm looking down, and, you know, there's a little farm field, and a little, but they're just little spots. They're unfamiliar spots to me. You've, many of you are in airplanes. You understand what I'm speaking about. 
So fears are a serious thing. Statistics in 1960, the fears of grade schoolers, according to uh, Johns Hopkins University, did a study. The, the greatest fears of grade school children were animals. That was number one. Being in a dark room was number two. High places was number three. Strangers were number four. Five was loud noises. Today, well, this is actually 1990, the number one fear of children was divorce. Yeah, nuclear war. Yeah, you laugh now, but any of you, any of you children of the Soviet era know what I'm talking about. Cancer. Pollution. Can you believe this? This is a fear of a child and being mugged. This is terrible fears. I mean, children have terrible fears. Louis Pasteur, who invented the polio vaccine, um, had such an irrational fear of dirt and infection, he refused to shake hands. Ironic that he invented the polio vaccine, which is a bacteria. Uh, President and Mrs. Benjamin Harrison were so intimidated by the newfangled electricity installed in the White House, they didn't dare touch the light switches. They slept with the lights on at night. That's truth. Soviet uh, dictator Joseph Stalin feared for his safety in the resident in his Moscow house. He had eight bedrooms. Every night he chose a different bedroom, and he wouldn't tell anybody where he'd sleep, so they couldn't get him at night. Isn't that something? Fear is a big deal. Five-year-old Johnny was in the kitchen, and his mother and his mother made supper. You may have heard the story. Um, she asked him to go in the pantry and get her a can of tomato soup. He didn't want to go in alone. It's dark in there, and I'm scared, he said. She, uh, she asked again, and he, he persisted. It's dark in there, I'm scared. So finally she said, it's okay, Jesus will be there with you. Johnny walked hesitantly to the door and opened it slowly. He peeked inside, saw it was dark, and started to leave when all at once an idea came to him. Jesus, if you're in there, would you hand me the can of tomato soup? <laughs> Fear is a big deal. Those are negative fears. And I want to take those kinds of fears today, and you know what I'm talking about, and I want to throw them out because that is not the kind of fear that we're talking about in the Word. When the Lord says, conduct yourself in fear, that's not what it's talking about. The biblical definition of fear, there's a Hebrew definition, a Greek definition. They're remarkably similar. Uh, It's to fear, uh, respect, reverence, uh, not of God, not a necessarily a, like a dread of God, but a dread of disappointing God. That's the kind of fear that we're talking about this morning. The kind of dread of disappointing God. Very, very different. Respect, reverence. There's a fear element to it, and it's just enough to motivate us to that dread. In the greater church, and some of you have been around church for a while, uh, we used to hear more about fear, and I don't mean like two years ago or ten years ago. I mean like 30, 40, 50 years ago. We used to hear more about fear. It was a much more widely accepted topic. Now, that's not the case. In fact, I've heard it said that if you want to grow a church from a preacher's perspective, just preach on fear. People don't come. They don't like it. It's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon. I think there's some truth to it. If you want to grow a church, you preach on love. You preach on goodness and mercy, and you preach on those attributes, but you don't want to preach on fear because people don't like that. And I think there was a time where fear was taught a lot in the 50s, the 60s, and it started to thin out, and some of you remember the Jesus people. And there was a real outpouring of things around love, and that needed to happen at that time. 
Many, many, many people gave their lives to the Lord because of love. They, heard, they learned the love of the Lord. Love wasn't taught a whole lot until the 60s and then even the 70s. It's important to remember the fear of the Lord. Really, if you don't have the fear of the Lord, what, what, where's the balance with love? If all you do is teach it in love, you're teaching about a pansy God. What's the point? There's eh, just love, 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 love. If you don't have fear, where's the mercy of God? If you don't have fear, where's the grace of God? You've got to have fear. You've got to. It's nothing that... Uh, we should ever be ashamed in talking about, or certainly, from a preacher's perspective, should never be ashamed to speak on. It's a relevant deal. It's a very relevant deal. Way back, and this is some time ago, when uh, Deuteronomy was being written, the Lord gave some very clear instructions. And I'm going to read this. It's in Deuteronomy 17. You don't have this slide, but I, I think it's good, and I just want to share it. The Lord's saying, Also it shall be when he sits in the throne of his kingdom, this is whoever Israel would appoint as king, So for future kings in Israel, when they sit on the throne, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. He has to copy the law. The king is doing it. He's not having a scribe doing it. The king has to do it from the one before the priest. So the king goes to the priest and says, let me have the law that you have, and I'm going to copy it. And it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God, and be careful to observe all the words of this law and these statutes. Leaders, biblical leaders, the the Israeli kings needed to do this. Fear is all right to do. Fear of the Lord is not just for those guys. It's well documented in the Bible. Over 300 times we learn about the fear of the Lord in the scripture. Over 300 times. This is a serious topic. But yet again, we don't hear much about it. So let's look at some verses. All right, Dylan. First one, Psalm 33, 8, let the earth fear the Lord. Deuteronomy 10, what does God require of you but to fear the Lord your God? Acts 9, they, the early congregations of believers, walked in the fear of the Lord. Philippians 2, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 2 Peter, and I'm going to stop in this verse for just a minute. It's a great verse. It says, New Covenant, you know, fear isn't just an Old Testament thing. There's a lot of verses about fear in the Old Testament, most, mostly this morning. I'll be reading from the Old Testament, but it is also in the New Testament. We just read it in Acts, but this one in 2 Peter is great. Honor all people, honor all people, even if they're crazy. <laughs> I'm saying that affectionately, you know what I mean. There's some people sometimes you don't click with. Honor all people. Love the brotherhood, that's us as believers. Fear God. That's its own statement. There's a period. Fear God. Honor the king. Whether you like the king or not. Honor the king. Whether you like the president or not. Whether you like the next president or not. Whether you like the next, next, next president or not. Honor. It's very good. And finally, if that verse wasn't clear enough. All right, Dylan. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Fear God, keep his commandments. It's the whole duty of man. This was written by Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived at the end of his life. He puts this down. He's experienced everything he can imagine. And then this is it. This is the wisest man. This is his statement. Fear God, keep his commandments. It's the whole duty of man. Fear clearly is directed in the Bible. I could take this chunk of verses, 
and quadruple it. And they all say the same thing. Fear God, fear God, fear God, fear God, fear God. I mean, a quadruple it. We could just keep adding. We could reverse after verse after verse. My problem in, in working on this message was knowing which few verses to pick from. There's that many verses on fear. Yet when we, many times, when we read the word fear in the Bible, we just kind of gloss on over it. But clearly, it's the whole duty of man. Already, I can tell, this is good preaching. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm just having fun this morning. So, fear is a big deal. And I just want to, I'm going to kind of keep this light, if I can. But I want to just go over three reasons why fear is necessary. Three reasons why fear is necessary. And we'll pick up on this message again in two weeks. All right? So three reasons today, and in two weeks we're going to come back to it. How do you take something as big as a fear of the Lord and squeeze it into one 20, 25-minute message? You don't. So three reasons why we care about fear. First, it sends us on the road for necessary life knowledge. All right, Dylan. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. How does knowledge begin? With the fear of the Lord. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Knowledge starts with fear of the Lord. Wisdom starts with fear of the Lord. This is clearly a necessary life skill. We need these things. Intelligence is not a mark of the fear of the Lord. But how to apply that intelligence through knowledge and wisdom is a response to fear of the Lord. Number two. It is a driver, fear of the Lord is a driver, a motivation for us to do right. All right, Dylan. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. So, this is really, when I say a motivation for us to do right, this is really, as believers, what keeps us from sinning, is the fear of the Lord. With no fear of the Lord... We just go back and do whatever we want because there's no consequence. The fear of the Lord balances out consequences. We need it. No fear of the Lord, no consequence. An oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked, there is no fear of God before his eyes. The transgression of the wicked, there's no fear of God before them. We need it. I've talked to Many people over many years as a pastor who will come to me and say, I am struggling, I have sin in my life. And it all boils down to, do you fear God? Now, I know this is a simplistic answer, but it's true. Oswald Chambers had a statement Fear is a funny thing. And this is my paraphrased version. Fear is a funny thing. If, we, if you fear God, you fear nothing else. But if you don't fear God, you fear everything else. When people are caught in a life sin or even a recurrent sin, they're more afraid of the other things in their life than they are of God. Remember, fear is the dread of not doing right by God. That's the definition we're using. Fear, in this way is a positive thing. It will bring change in our life. The proper fear of God brings change in our life. 
There's an example of this fear and how this was kind of walked out, I guess, in Exodus 20. <clears throat> Dylan? Now all the people witness the thunderings. And these thunderings are in a cloud that is traveling. The Lord's presence is in that cloud. Uh, and it's, it's used to lead the Israelites by day. Uh, it's a direction. And they saw the action in this cloud. Now the people witnessed the thunderings, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. There's a lot happening around this cloud. <clears throat> a lot. And when the people saw it, they trembled and they stood far off. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us, we will hear. But let us... Let not God speak to us, lest we die. You speak to us, Moses, we can handle you, but God speaks to us, Whoop, we're going to get smoked. Moses said to his people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you that, you, that his fear may be before you, so that you might not sin. See, I'm not just making this up. Fear is a great motivator for, for, to avoid sin. Fear is an excellent motivator to avoid sin things that have us miss the mark in our relationship with the Lord. He did die on the cross. Jesus did die on the cross and he rose from the dead because he loves us very much. And he wants to have a relationship with us. That is a fact. Why would we want to disappoint him? You know, as a child, did you ever make your parents angry? Wasn't it a bummer? But they loved you. And most... Most of you had normal, loving homes. Your parents loved you. But, oh, my goodness, if you made them angry, if you did something you weren't supposed to do, like disrespected your mother in the kitchen in front of your father, <laughs> you would pay the price. Right? You know what I'm talking about. I remember even times... I'm going to tell a story about my dad. He's not here. He, <clears throat> even in... Even as a, as a child, you know, I, would just, I would just forget things. You know, kids leave things lying around. And I, it was my birthday, and my grandma and grandfather, they sent me a $10 bill. That's big money back then. That was big money. So I got a $10 bill, and I was excited. I was just carrying it around the house. You know, I'm a little kid, and I had to wait to go to the store. I was probably like eight years old. And I had to wait to go to the store before I could spend my $10. So you just, $10 bill, you just carry it everywhere. You know, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. <clears throat> And I was outside, one of my friends came over, and we were outside in the porch, and I had my $10 bill. I left it out there, and I forgot all about it. Until my dad showed me it in his wallet later. <laughs> when he pulled it out and paid for his item. You don't want to tick off your dad. Right? You should keep track of your money. There's a lot of love from our parents. How much greater is the holy God and there's nobody like him? There's a lot of love, but there's another side. So, good to keep that avoidance of sin in front of us. Fearing the Lord will do that. And number three, fear the Lord affects life itself. Life itself. You know, we learn wisdom and knowledge through fear of the Lord. It motivates us to stay on the right path in our life with the Lord. But it affects the very core of life itself. All right, Dylan. The fear of the Lord prolongs days. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. A fountain of life. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. You want all the good things in life, just fear God. It sets things in perspective. That's really what it's about. 
This is, you know, it's a funny thing about fear. <clears throat> to fear the Lord, we can't, there's no selfish to it. If we properly fear the Lord, we just are all in. We just fear Him. Right? But if we do that, the Lord says, these things come back. The fear of the Lord, conceptually, is a simple thing. But I believe it goes against the very nature of man. The very nature of man is to do what they want to do. But to fear the Lord is to put God first. But how sweet the reward is. These things that we talked about. There are many, many things. And this is what I'll talk about next time. There are many, many ways to fear the Lord. There are many ways to do it. To grow in our fear. To walk against maybe a human nature, a carnal nature, to fear the Lord. There are. And there are rewards. We went over three of them today. But without fearing God, all we have is a very soft, squishy God in our life. So that would it. That would be it. That's my challenge. Until we talk and fear again, just seek the Lord yourself. God, how do I fear you? How do I fear you? How should I do that? And I'll come back. I'll share more about this. It is, this is holiness, studying through holiness, and fear has substantially, in the last month, altered how I serve the Lord. It really is. It has. And it will continue to do so. So I encourage you to do that. Stay tuned in two more weeks. I'll ask you what you remember. Amen. Please stand up. Let's pray. Lord God, it is a very tremendous thing to come to you. The Almighty, the Most Holy, the Most Set-Apart God. We thank you for that. We thank you for that path that you've made to us simply because you love us. And God, we remember to fear you. We remember that you're a God of love, but then you're also a God of fear. In that we don't want to disappoint you. In that we want to do right. And we recognize your sovereignty in our lives. Lord God, we pray that this would be a congregation of believers that would always remember that. We thank you for working in our lives, for drawing us here today. We thank you for the fellowship of everybody here that we'll be having soon. But God, we thank you for you and that you've created that relationship with us. Thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I want to mention this. You know, I talked about fear a lot. <laughs> but I want, to, I want to remind you that there is a love portion to God. Fear is one side, but there is a love portion to God. If you've never experienced that love portion of God, if you've never, ever really, truly said, God, I, I want that, I want to know more about you, and I want the love that you bring to offer. I'll fear you, that's fine, but I want the love, and I want to have a start of relationship with you. Just relationship. I would love to talk to you after service. I'll be here in front. I would love to talk to you. Love to get to know you. 
I just share a little bit more with you about relationship. I won't ask for money. I won't make you get a tattoo. It won't take two hours of your life. It'll take just a few minutes. So please meet with me and talk to me about relationship if you've never had the chance to do that before. Okay? And until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace. Amen.